Welcome back to a pre-Super Bowl edition of the Away Days podcast. I guess we've got two weeks before the big game, so uh, so rather than I don't want to do too much of the Super Bowl preview here on this one because we had a lot of stuff to talk about from a big weekend on Championship Sunday. But before we dive into that, with me once again as always, Mr. Lath Land back at the Gramps Estate. How we doing, Lay? Doing pretty good, pretty good. Coming off the of two pretty good games. I mean, really excited playoffs. So excited for yeah. the bowl. Sucks that you lost like 500 bucks on those, but we all know you and your gambling <laughs> problem. It's not, know, nothing, nothing but a drop in a bucket to you. Been yeah. been volunteering at the uh, at the Dalton High School uh, coaching clinic, so you got money to spare. But, uh, <laughs> and then hearing his laugh from the ether as Mr. Ferguson, Georgia Tech rep, even though uh, he's decommitted for the offseason, Ferg. Um, welcome in. Now, dang, your Chiefs went down too. You got nothing really to live for, man. You're just waiting for spring training. <laughs> yep, yep. I counting down the days for baseball to start up again. I got nothing to do until then because I don't watch basketball, and all my teams just keep on letting me down. But hey, I tossed some money on old Joe Shiesty though, so that was a one positive I could take away from the weekend. Is that what we decided on on Joe Shiesty or Joe Burr? I re- if you noticed the name of last podcast, I just made it Joe Burr Shiesty, which I think is actually kind of nice, but. Um. Yeah. Well. Either way, we'll we'll come up with we'll finish we'll come up with a definitive answer by the end of this podcast. But real quick, just thinking about that's actually depressing. If you really don't have anything until baseball, because honestly, baseball doesn't get even get good until September either. Okay. If, I, I, maybe that's it, just in my opinion. But well, uh, then it may not even go on at all if they don't get the lockout uh, settled. So you got that to look forward to as well. Yeah, I'm hoping we can get started on time because yeah, it's. Getting to March or April, whenever the hell it starts up again officially, it's uh, it's going to be a long time to wait. So hopefully they can get their uh, players in the in the league aligned so we can get going. Are the Braves re-signed Freddie yet? Well, no, we, we can't. Literally cannot, even if we wanted to right now because of the lockout. Which is why a lot of Braves fans were really pushing for us to get him signed before the lockout. Because we knew the lockout was coming. It wasn't like one day it just happened. Like We knew it was coming. So... The fact that we didn't re-sign him is a little alarming, but I think we'll get it taken care of. All right. Take care of your chicken, Freddie. That's what, <laughs> that's what it's all about at the end of the day. All right, but let's start. Go ahead and get started with the NFL. So the first game of the day at a nice, like, ripe 3 p.m. kickoff on a Sunday afternoon. That's ideal time, honestly, uh, for, for some playoffs to get started. I had the AFC matchup first, Bengals at Chiefs. We'll dive into this one. So all of us, I went back and looked, had the Chiefs in this game. Although I want to shout out me and Ferg both had Chiefs not to cover. So had we bet on it, which I think Ferg uh, did, as we'll get to here in a second, um, we both would have won, whereas Lath, surprised to no one, uh, would have lost. So, But I think we can all agree, we didn't see this coming, uh, especially after the way that first half started. Um, so Lath, I'll put it to you first. Yes, Joe Burrow is getting all the accolades from this, and as he should. I mean, basically, I think he's America's quarterback at this point. You know, um, it's impossible not to root for the guy. But I kind of want to be the first to say and see if you agree with this. I think that Cincinnati defense deserves more credit than anybody because I don't know what exactly the number was, but like Patrick Mahomes' QBR in the first half was over a hundred, and then was like under five or something crazy in the second half. Uh, they they got shut out in the second half, I think, or maybe they had yeah. a field goal. Yeah, they did. They got shut out. So um, definitely credit to Joe Burrow too. But I think that Cincinnati defense deserves a lot of credit too. Oh yeah, I mean I'm a little disappointed myself. I was watching the game and it got to that kind of 21-3 where they're down by 18 points, and I thought ah this one might be over with. I went upstairs to take a quick shower, came back downstairs. Yeah, a quick and, yeah. shower. Yeah, you know okay. I never take quick showers. That's fair. <laughs> Um, but I came back down and it was tied. But I went back and looked at some of the replay, and you're right. I think that the defense is really the, uh, the the should be the focal point of this game. You know, I mean, I don't. That was the worst I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes play a game of football. I thought I was watching Bo Nix out there second half, uh, <laughs> way too just scrambling around, losing uh, like 10, 12 yards per sack. Can't be doing that. Uh, but yeah, defense really stepped up. And I mean, the, the we talked about it before the pod. The Bengals had the offense to potentially keep up. But the fact that they were able to come back from an 18-point deficit and stop the um, <clears throat> Chiefs, defense, Chiefs offense in the process is really impressive. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Lay. I mean, when you get down in a football game 21-3, to it can be real easy to just lay down and take it. But the Bengals' defense stood up. 
<laughs> Don't make me laugh, like the bingo thief. <laughs> well, listen, why did you? Take yeah. Why did you say it like that? <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to be passionate. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, the Bengals defense really balled out. I think in the second half, at one point, Mahomes, like late in the fourth quarter, only had like forty-three passing yards in the second half. The, the Bengals were forcing turnovers, especially the big one in, in overtime, to, get, to help them get the win. But yeah, I mean, they couldn't move the ball on offense because the defense was able to stand up and play play hard. And then Joe Burrow in the second half, they were really effective at converting third downs when they had to and getting back in the game and ultimately sending it to overtime and then getting the win in overtime. Yeah, I'd like to also point, I think uh, a guy that also doesn't get enough praise as a part of that Bengals offense is Joe Mixon. I don't know if everybody wants to talk about throwing the ball and all the weapons they have on the perimeter, but that man Joe Mixon is hard to tackle, and he proved that second half of that game. Yeah, he was running through some people for sure. That was something I, I noticed. Um, and just to clarify, the Chiefs did get a field goal in uh, in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter, um, so not quite a shutout for the Bengals defense. But, I mean, huge. And plus, too, just like the parallels of the exact – similarities to the the game earlier in the season that the Bengals won. I mean, down by exactly 11 going into halftime. Um, did that did that earlier game go to OT too? No, no. The, in the first game, the Bengals won a game-winning field goal with three seconds left. Yeah. Okay. Well, still, a game-winning field goal ends up being the difference um, in this one. But, yeah, like just a pitiful Chiefs performance in that second half. And it all starts, I think, with the end of the first half. Like that, I think if the Chiefs fans are really going to be bitter – or have you know doubts or, or not doubts but um, you know regrets about the way that game went. I think it's got to start with the last possession of the first drive or excuse me first half where the Chiefs are looking like they're at least going to get some points, but kind of a dumb mistake from Patrick Mahomes throwing it to the one guy on the field who's not in the end zone and Tyree Kill catching it and, and running out of time going into the half. Like you know because if they're able to get some points there, I mean that ended up three points being being the difference in the game now. You know, you can't really say that a play in the, you know, going into halftime won or lost a game, but I thought that was a huge difference maker. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes is one of those high-risk, high high-reward players, um, and usually he can get away with it, but when you're doing that kind of stuff in a close game like that, it's not always going to work out. Yeah, that definitely wasn't the spot to try to be aggressive. You know, you had a nice lead. He should have had the football IQ and the presence of mind to just throw that ball in the dirt, and take the, take the field goal, go up by 14 at the half, but, you know, a play like that gives a team like Cincinnati the momentum going into the second half, and that could have been what triggered the comeback. Yeah, because that's one of those where, like, you know, he – because we've seen what Patrick Mahomes can do with as little as 14 seconds. You're like, okay, I can see yeah. why Andy Reid would trust him with five to say, hey, got your first read. If it's not there, throw it out of the back of the end zone. But you see his eyes working. He looks at that first read. The coverage is just enough there on Tyreek Hill or maybe down the other field, but like he, he holds onto it for a half second longer than you know that he should. And then just throwing it to Tyreek. I mean, I get he's the shiftiest guy in the NFL, but even he's not there's just not enough room for him to make anything happen over there. Um, and a really great defensive stop there by the Bengals, who I get yeah, that like kick started their performance for the rest of the game. Um, but so with this kind of the fallout, like you've got Chiefs fans kinda of having to all of a sudden be like, damn, we were one of the favorites, basically, from from uh, about the six week six on. Like, so I saw some local news station. Maybe you saw this on Twitter, Ferg, too. Some news station in Kansas City posted this like dramatic graphic of Patrick Mahomes. It was like we were never supposed to be here. This like we were the underdogs all year. Like nobody believed in us, and yet we made it this far. And I was like, shut the actual fuck up. Like. You went to the Super Bowl last year. You won the Super Bowl two years ago. You've gone to the AFC Championship game every single year that Patrick Mahomes has been the starter. Don't don't come in here with, with the, you know, <laughs> we shocked the world by making it this far. But, you know, I, I mean, I guess they're referring to the fact that the Chiefs started the season so poorly. I know even yeah. us on this podcast were saying, like, hey, the Chiefs, you know, not counting them out, but they got to get a lot better between now and the playoffs if they want to be in the playoffs. Of course, they did, and they ended up winning the division. But, you know, if you're the Chiefs, you're now looking at that's three straight AFC title appearances, only one Super Bowl to show for it. You know, after that unreal season when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, people were saying, "Oh, that's going to be the first of five, six for Patrick Mahomes." And obviously, that was a bit of a of a stretch. That's just classic overreaction that always happens. Like if Joe Burrow wins in two weeks, they're going to be saying the same thing about him probably. But where are we at in kind of adjustment? Expect adjustment of expectations for the Chiefs at, at this point because I'm not going to, you know, 
I'm not going to go so far as to overreact and say, oh, they're done, because they're definitely not. Like, you know, I was listening to uh, another podcast that was talking about the Chiefs and Bills game, and he was saying, basically, if you're a Bills fan, you shouldn't really go into the offseason feeling bad at all, because basically you could keep your team exactly the same and one play goes in your favor and you're probably going to win a Super Bowl. So, like, teams like the Bills and the Chiefs, I don't think necessarily have to do anything. But I don't know. Just what do you guys think about, about you know, if I'd have told you two years ago when the Chiefs had won that Super Bowl that they would, you know, lose their next two big playoff games. Like, what? I, I don't know. It's just kind of not what we all thought. Yeah, I think they're still in a good spot just because, as we mentioned before, they've got all their pieces, like the core of their team tied down with Mahomes, uh, Kelsey, and uh, Tyreek Hill. Mahomes' contract is structured that, so that he can kind of rearrange it every year to make room for free agent signings. This year we really saw them kind of retool that O-line, and it struggled early on and kind of came together later on, but it never really got to how it was two years ago. So I think they do a little bit more work this offseason and kind of retooling that O-line and getting the kind of fit that they want. They should still be pretty solid for the next at least three to four years, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are going to be good as long as they have Patrick Mahomes and some weapons they got, and then some guys on defense like Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew. But I definitely think that they are not going to be winning like five and six Super Bowls because, I mean, just look at the AFC and the emergence of these quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and even Justin Herbert. I mean, there's going to be a lot of competition amongst those QBs in the next few years, and it's going to be tough for the Chiefs to win multiple Super Bowls just given how competitive that league is and how great the quarterback play is in the AFC. So definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah, so we've made this intro to this podcast about the Chiefs, which honestly probably is not the, the way to go. This is more about, I think, <laughs> Joe Burr and, and the and the Who Day and all that stuff, although – I'm softening my heart a bit towards the Cincinnati fans because they really rubbed me the wrong way when I, Georgia played the, the Bearcats in the Chick-fil-A Bowl a few years ago. But uh, I just need to get over that. I mean, the dog's a national champ, so I don't need to worry about people like Cincinnati fans. Wait, but, wait really? They are? <laughs> hey, yeah, they are, if you didn't know. If you haven't heard, uh, I actually started re-watching uh, for the first time every like second, you know, the full replay of the game, so it's still fresh in the memory, but... Um, but yeah, for the Bengals, just like how that's just awesome for them. Uh, it's it, again, as much as I'm actually kind of, I mean, I don't hate the Bengals, but I like I, I support the Browns if I support any team. So like the Bengals are naturally not a team that I would root for. But to see, you, you just can't help but root for them with with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Who what are they now? Four and zero in playoff games. If you go back to to college, or no five? Three, yeah, right? five and zero. Won, they won three this year. Yeah, five and zero. And three this year, so like, you know, and, and looking back, I can't remember if we talked about this on the pod at all last week. Like, I was one of the people that kind of crushed the Jamar Chase pick, not because I didn't think Chase would be good, but like Joe Burrow, and honestly, it hasn't you know proven false. He's been running for his life all season. I thought they needed to take an alignment, yeah. but I guess you know you go to a Super Bowl that kind of proves me wrong. Yeah, I agree with that because that, that was kind of the main talking point at the draft last year. Was it? Uh, then they have an opportunity to get like Panay Sewell or someone. Uh, at that spot, or yeah. am I thinking of somebody else? I think that, yeah, they had I him. Mean, the, they could have got him. Yeah, so yeah. I, I agree with that. I think it, when it comes down to something like that, they end up going with, like, you say, uh, Jamar Chase is an elite weapon. You don't have many opportunities for that. But you talk about the Chiefs, about what they have going forward. If you look at teams like the Bengals or, like, the uh, the Chargers, they're already pretty competitive, and they've got, like, the set first and second most cap space of anybody else this offseason. So the AFC is going to be – or the NFC, excuse me, is going to be really hard going forward. Yeah. No, you had it right the first time. AFC, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. I mean, I, honestly, it's honestly pretty funny that the Bengals made the Super Bowl this year, and I'm super hype, hype and ha- happy about it. Because, like, going into the playoffs, I kept seeing memes on Instagram and Twitter of no one in the no one in the world today has sent a text message about the Bengals winning a playoff game because their last playoff game <laughs> win was in 1991 and cell phones didn't exist. So it's just been kind of funny to see that come full circle and they win the Super Bowl the year that the memes started popping around about it. And I'm just super hyped for Joe Burrow. I'm definitely on the Burrow bandwagon. I may have to uh, get me a Burrow jersey so I can uh, be a Bengals <laughs> fan for the next couple of weeks. But I really hope they pull out the win over the Rams. I mean, because what is – like they just have the, the Reds elsewhere in that city, right? So like their last like yeah. championship I think is like the Reds in the 80s or 70s? Uh, I think like, so. Whatever the last time mm-hmm. the Reds won one? Because did the Bengals – I think they they last won a Super Bowl with the Icky Shuffle guy. Uh, yeah. Or did they even win that Super Bowl? I don't even know. <laughs> who's, the, wait, who's the Icky Shuffle guy? 
You don't know about the icky shuffle? <laughs> Isn't that something you do on the you ladders? <laughs> like you never heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yes, but it's named for like it's a dance move. It's kind of like the the what was the Bears song when they were good? You know what I'm talking about? Um, um, I don't know, but like <laughs> no idea. Basically, like just look, just look up icky shuffle. Actually, so I don't know if y'all were watching like the post game when. When the sideline reporters trying so hard to grab Burrow after the game, but just so many people keep coming up to him, yeah. and like high fiving him and stuff. So that old black guy who like was not wearing pads, that's him. That's the that's Icky. I don't know what his real name is, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, he was like Icky he was shuffle. like a yeah. So Icky shuffle. If you look it up, uh, let's see. Where did the Icky shuffle come from? The tight end immediately busts out. Blah blah blah. Uh, Bengals running back Icky Woods created in the late '80s and early '90s. Yeah, it's like a touchdown dance he did. So, um, anyway, that's like I, that's the last time the Bengals were good, though. So you don't even know what it's called because it's been so long. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the Cincinnati, like you just got to root for them too because they just haven't won it in so long. Um, and actually, the Bengals don't have a Super Bowl victory, so yeah, they that's even more proof. But so yeah, hard hard to root against them, um, but then you know, kind of spinning it forward. I do think that this Bengals team—it's it, not a stretch to say—I think they're a bit ahead of schedule. Like I don't think even the most optimistic person in that franchise, the GM owner, whoever, expected them to be here at this point. I mean, yeah, you're hoping that Joe Burrow turns your franchise around, but I would have thought he would have needed a lot more help before they got this good. I mean, because that O line, I think, is definitely playing above its weight class right now. Like they. After giving up nine sacks against the Titans, they actually were able to hold the Chiefs at bay pretty well. But, you know, again, the Bengals, if if the Browns or the Steelers were remotely up to par, and even the Ravens had a down year, like it kind of took a lot, I think, for the for the Bengals to, to be what they were this season. And they had some ugly losses. But, you know, I think if, if – you know, we talked about the, the looking forward at the Chiefs. Wow, I really could not get that out right there. But looking forward <laughs> – uh, to the Chiefs next couple of seasons, like I would be on the lookout for the Bengals because I don't see how they get, you know, from a talent perspective, I don't see how they're getting worse from here. They may not, you know, repeat, go back to the Super Bowl, but I think they'll they'll have a better players on their roster next year. Oh yeah, and with so many young players that are on rookie contracts, they're going to have a whole lot of cap room to work with. So it'll be exciting to see what they can put together. Yeah, I, I could see them making some moves on the defensive side of the ball, maybe upgrading that O line a bit. Who did, like you said, Nathan, play a pretty good game on Sunday so I'm interested to see the moves they make see if they can get even better next year yeah and then the nightcap game which uh I will say I liked the timing of both but at the same time I kind of would have liked a little bit more time in between the two games but it didn't help that the first one went to overtime um so that's kind of outside of the the scheduler's control but this was the one I was the most excited about definitely the one that Vegas predicted to be closer that's the uh, Niners and the Rams and going into it, we all picked the Rams. Um, that's definitely the team I wanted to win, a team that I – I mean, I've had the Rams and the Bucks, so I'm not just going to only focus on the, the good part of my prediction. But I've liked the Rams and the Bucks all year to be my Super Bowl favorite, so I was definitely riding with the Rams here in this one. But huge win for, for McVay and them. Like, they've proven it. You know, they went to a Super Bowl three seasons ago, so it's not like they haven't been there before. But to kind of get that monkey off their back of beating Shanahan, especially in, like, in a big moment like this, I thought was huge and – you know, uh, who was it? Not uh, not Aikman, but Joe Buck on the broadcast, or it may have been Aikman. I think said like basically something along the lines of, "I don't get why people are saying like Matt Stafford needs to win this one to prove he can win the big game." Because I thought that basically Stafford's performance in the playoffs up to this point, like beating the Bucks and beating the Cardinals, was was proof enough. Um, but he just just adds on top of that because now. Like obviously, be gutting for Stafford not to go on and win the Super Bowl, but he's definitely proven that he can do it in the playoffs with what they've done already. Yeah, I mean, this was a classic Shanahan McVay showdown, tied up until the very end. But there is a an interesting trend, and I saw this stat today. I know the, this game last night, uh, the 49ers gave up 13 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. And if you go back and look at the last Super Bowl against the Chiefs that they were in, as well as when he coached the Falcons uh, as the OC in that Super Bowl. His fourth score to points for and points against is like 56 and nothing. And those two games, he scored zero fourth quarter points. So that's as much as I said I've liked Kyle Shanahan, that's probably something that he ought to be able to look out for and be able to fix. I actually almost – I had that stat. I heard it on Sports Center right before we got on the pod. I was thinking about oh, putting that in, which beat me to it. 
yeah, now he's got the monkey on his back. Like he's kind yeah. of the Kirby Smart before Kirby Smart <laughs> won one. Like he's got the big can't win the big one now. You know, is an offensive mastermind, but you know can't can't win it when it counts. Yeah, that's that's a fairly fair comparison. What do you think, Ferg? Look, uh, for me, I thought this game should have been way a much bigger win for the Rams. If you go back to the beginning of the game, like the Rams were driving, they had that deflected pass interception right in the end zone when they were at like first and goal in the red zone. And then you go back to the second quarter, there was like two drop touchdown passes. Mm. And Skaronic. Skaronic, yeah, the, the old Notre Dame G, the white guy. But I don't know. I, I, I just really think the Rams played not their best game. So, but so the, the fact that they were able to come out with a win despite not performing well in the red zone and, and not executing well in the passing game um, with receivers dropping passes, it's pretty cool to see them come out with the win anyways. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with the points you made, but like, at, especially at the NFL level, if you take look at just like three plays, you can kind of make the story whatever you want. Like, yeah. to say that they should have won by a lot more, if number three catches that punt return interception, the game's probably <laughs> over. So, yeah. like, the 49ers will be kicking themselves if they didn't win this game because, again, that should have done it. And let's not act like that's kind of like the, the granted, the, the end zone turnover interception on, you know, early in the first quarter, that's you know, off a tip ball. You can say that that's luck or whatever. But let's not act like that kind of thing isn't what, as much as I love Stafford and I love this Rams team and I want him to win, that's kind of what he is. Like, as good as he is, he's going to turn it over in the red zone, and he's good for at least one dumbass throw a game. <laughs> like, I've watched a lot of Rams all season long, and he has thrown some horrible interceptions. Because, I mean, he doesn't – I don't know if he thinks he's got this Mahomes arm where if he's got to step on a dude 40 yards down the field that he's going to be able to hit him in stride because – if you're going to be throwing those deep ones, like the ball can't linger in the air because then it just becomes a fly ball, which it did. Um, but luckily for them, number three, uh, he's God probably on suicide watch now after that game. He, uh, he he puts it on the ground. But like, yeah, the 49ers, they have a big right that they should have won this game despite the fact that they're you know got ball and change Jimmy Garoppolo under center. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to my next point. And just touching back back on that interception, I think that that they threw a 30-yard pass to Odell that ended up being 15 more for the late hit. So I think that was really what kind of changed the flow of this game or like the inflection point, if you will. But you mentioned Garoppolo. Uh, You know, everybody's been talking about how this may be his last year. He's made some iffy play calls. But I felt like other than that last drive for this game, that, that was one of the better games I've seen him play in. You know, Debo's talked about his winning percentage, but how much of a priority do you think it is for Kyle Shanahan to kind of move on for him or get some trade value? Do you think they're still looking like that, or do you think his, like, kind of recent string of form has shown that they want to keep him around in the building? Look, for He gone. Yeah, I mean, gone. look, at the end of the day, Jimmy G was winning games, which is probably the only reason he's around, but he's not going to do anything special to make or break your team. Yeah. You know, you got to have a special guy at quarterback to win Super Bowls on the most part. I mean, if you go back – However long you want, college and NFL, generally every team has a special guy, a quarterback, you know, an MVP, Pro Bowl kind of player. And that's just not who Jimmy G is. He can win you games, and he's like a great game manager. He's like basically the Jake Fromm of the NFL when Jake Fromm was in Georgia. But I think it would be in the 49ers' best interest to try to make a splash trade, sign, make a splash free agent signing, maybe get some move up to get somebody in the draft. Although this, this year's QB class isn't the greatest, but, I mean, may hey, maybe it would be a – upgrade for Jimmy G yeah I think I think what they're hoping for best case scenario is that it can kind of be uh like a mirror of the Mahomes and like Alex Smith yeah deal you yeah. know Mahomes sat under a game manager for a year and then came out and was really good I think that's probably what they're hoping for for Trey Lance I just don't know if he's that guy or not but you make a great point about Garoppolo when you're down in the fourth quarter you think of quarterbacks that can that you feel pretty confident in that could get pull off a drive to kind of put up points. You got Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Stafford's that guy. You don't put Garoppolo in that mix. And I think you're right. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm just looking at the total QBR rankings for the 2021 season, and that can be a bit like misleading because I mean you look down at guys like uh, Joe Burrow was actually at you know 12th, but Jimmy G was 13. So I mean he's not. But QBR kind of factors in. You know, not turning the ball over, which is something Jimmy G does pretty well too. But mm-hmm. you're right, though. He just—he's not a guy that you can count on to go win you a game. Like the Chiefs, I think might not make the playoffs with with Jimmy Garoppolo under center, just because, especially in some of those early season struggles, 
they had to lean on his arm and his just creative and special ability to go win games for them to do stuff. Whereas you're just not getting that from Garoppolo. Um, now, as far as where he goes now, like I think he still is good enough to start uh, somewhere. Um, if if there's a team out there who kind of doesn't love the the quarterback draft class coming through and and would like to kind of kick it down the road a little bit um, and get kind of a placeholder, um, like I could see maybe the the football team being interested in something like that. Um, but also Heineke's mm-hmm. kind of decent, so we'll we'll see. But uh, in terms of like. Is he done? He definitely is. I mean, just the way, you know, watching Sports Center and, and, and hearing things from the 49ers locker room after the game, like guys coming up to him and congratulating, like basically saying their goodbyes. Like everybody knows he's out. For yeah. Sure. yeah. He, to me, he's kind of <clears throat> in that Kirk Cousins boat where, like, he's a good example of what a good quarterback, of what a really good quarterback in the NFL used to look like six, seven years ago. Now it's just you got to be a lot more of an athlete in the pocket than he is. Yeah, this man's a straight-up brick wall back there. I, I, I just – the future of the game is all about mobility. And when you look at the best guys in the league now, yeah, sure, maybe they're not all Lamar, but, you know, they can give you a 15-yard, 20-yard scramble and slide when you got to. And, and Jimmy G just can't provide that. And the mobility is just where the game's headed. So you got to move on from him. Yeah, And it's like an arm strength thing, or maybe not a strength, but like he just not making these – the big plays that the 49ers come up with, it's because Debo Samuel is just that much better than everybody on the field. They throw a screen pass that he takes 40 yards, you know. So, um, and like as good as Shanahan is, basically he's been kind of scheming around the fact that Jimmy G isn't all that good basically yeah. the past few years. Like the offense he's built – has maximized the play-action game, the eye-candy motion in the backfield, the getting creative ways to get the ball out of Jimmy G's hands and into their best players' hands like Debo and George Kittle. So, you know, I, I really am looking forward to a 49ers team that doesn't have to kind of live under those restraints. Because then I would think, like, because it's like we're not – the 49ers offense we're seeing under Shanahan, you know, they, they put up points, but it's not – doesn't look very similar to what they did with the Falcons because he had Matt Ryan and Julio Jones to play with there. Like if he can actually get a quarterback that can really throw the ball and have an MVP type level season, they could be they could be really fun to watch. But yeah. we shall see. And without too much look ahead, because I mean we're not going to have anything to talk about next week other than the Super Bowl, so I don't want to do too too much here on that. But quick, at a glance, Vegas has the Rams slight favorites. Agree or disagree with that? Uh, I would say agree, just looking at all the pieces. I know we talked about how impressive the Bengals were in that second half, but I don't know. The Rams are a team that if they get ahead, they can do it all. And I think when you just look at the pure talent standpoint, you got to give them the edge. Yeah, yeah, just looking at the roster up and down, especially defensively. The Rams are way more talented than this Bengals team. And on top of that, you got Sean McVay with a clear coaching edge over the Bengals head coach. And not to mention the game is actually in L.A. in SoFi Stadium. So to have the Bengals uh, as the underdogs is what we should be expecting. Yeah, although you got to keep in mind, too, I mean, the, the Bengals fans will, will definitely be traveling for that. <laughs> and we saw that the 49ers were able to kind of take yeah. over that stadium. Um, but do you see the numbers on how much it costs to park there no. for that game? How much? Mm-mm. I mean, like, I think it was due to the fact that a lot of the parking was closed because they're already starting around the stadium, like the Super Bowl prep, you know, putting up tents and other things like that. I don't really know. But I think parking is pretty limited. But, like, as of the day of the game, I think some people were paying more for parking than a ticket. And tickets were, like, 500 600 bucks. So uh, that makes that just kind of made me wonder what's if I had to – if you had to pick one sporting event that you would pay more to park at than a ticket, uh, what, what would come to mind or what's something that jumps out to you all? Ooh, more to park at than a ticket? Yeah. For me, I'll give you some time to think. For me, it's something like golf. Like, if you could get a really good, like, because there you're parking and you're going to be there for like eight hours anywhere. Or not eight hours, but like a long time. So it's kind of kind of more worth it, I feel like. But like, you know, NFL, especially if you're in LA, like, just bite the bullet on a super expensive Uber, I feel like, rather than pay, you know, because no matter what, an Uber is not going to cost you 400 bucks. Like, you might, you might easily pay 150, but you're not at least paying whatever those people ended up paying. Yeah. I would probably go with like, uh, uh, Red River Showdown, just because you know you got the carnival around you too, so you got a lot of stuff to do while you're there. Like parkings, you, you, you want to be close to everything. So I could see myself paying yeah, that's a good enough shot. for that. Yeah, I, mine would probably be a World Series game involving the Braves. Got to be like a, a winner go home or a winner 
a chance to win the game or win the series. So World Series with the Braves involved, whether it's home or away, I'd bite the bullet on that. On that, you literally you, did, you did go bite the to bullet. a Braves. So like, how much did you pay for parking when the Braves are in town and you? Oh uh, well, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, gosh, like two hundred bucks, I think. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so it wasn't as bad as the Super Bowl, but still, two hundred bucks just to park your car. I mean, it's a little much. Yeah, I mean that's a lot. Must have been a lot. Um, but you know, you you're working now, so you can handle it. Under unlike uh, Mr. Land, who might be uh, he might be in line to take some of these NFL coaching vacancies if you know he's open to some some work. So uh, hey, the, I'm waiting. The phone is here. I'm just waiting for it to ring. Yeah, putting his officially putting his name in the hat, uh, making himself available. So with that said, a lot of coaching carousel movements going on in the NFL. I mean, we haven't even reached the offseason, but of course for all but two teams, we have been in the offseason for a little bit. Um, so going into you know the end of week, what is it? I mean, they play 18 weeks now, right? Um, so following the last week of the regular season, the Jags, Giants, Broncos, Vikings, Bears, Dolphins, Raiders, and Texans all fired their coaches and were going into the offseason looking for a new coach. And then as we know, since the last time we potted, uh, Sean Payton, has resigned or retired-ish. I think he's definitely coming back to coach at some point. So I'll just say resigned um, from coaching uh, in down in New Orleans for the Saints. So of those positions that were open, the Giants, Broncos, Bears, and Raiders have been filled. Giants, Brian Dabble, Dabble Sweeney, going to the Bill <laughs> from the Bills OC, going to the Giants. Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, who I think that name sounds like a Revolutionary War. Hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Packers OC going there. Uh, kind of an OC theme for, for much of these Raiders hiring Josh McDaniels, a Patriots OC. So I'm, I'm kind of shocked that because that dude's been getting offers basically his whole life because he's been there for a while for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know why the Raiders, I guess, really made him want to do that. I mean, I guess they're probably the most win-ready team of this bunch. Um, them or, I guess, maybe the Dolphins. Um, and then the Bears, the only team going the defensive route, hiring Matt Eberflus or Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator. So... You know, I know you guys don't know much about these names. I definitely don't either. Um, so we're not like going to analyze any hires or anything. But just kind of taking a look at this board here, which of these jobs, I guess, would you most want, or do you think has the best chance of, of you know pulling a Bengals in two years from now being a really strong team? Uh, I think if you look at it from you, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. The Raiders are pretty win ready as far as a complete team. But if you look at that Broncos team, they got a lot of weapons. They seem to have all the pieces both on offensive and defensive side other than a QB. And just for a little minimal speculation, bringing over the Packers, Packers OC into that team and then seeing all the stuff with Aaron Rodgers wanting out, uh, you could be there could be some signs pointing that that may be a, a destination for him. So if they get a, a quarterback, they could be a win-ready team in my opinion. Uh, for me, it's the Vikings. If you just look at that offense with Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Thielen and the boys – that team is explosive, but the problem is they're so inconsistent. If you can get a coach in there yeah. that can come in and, and you know get the get the guys consistent and play in the right all the time, not just half the time, you know that's a team that could very easily go like thirteen and four next year just because of how talented they are if they just get the right guy at the helm. So I think the Vikings job is probably one of the most enticing options on this list. I actually and saw if, an up- if, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Lay. Oh, yeah, I actually saw an update earlier today uh, that the Vikings requested an interview for Jim Harbaugh ah, uh, from Michigan. Right. So if that goes through, that could be a pretty good spot for him because I think he actually won a lot of games when he was coaching the NFL. I know he got to the Super Bowl, but he really – I went back and looked at his resume. It wasn't it, – it, it didn't take much for them to fire him, and it almost seemed a little premature. I'll point out, too, as far as that Vikings job. Well, first, if Jim Harbaugh goes out there, doomed because he sucks. <laughs> but um, the Vikings, too, like if Rodgers does lead the Packers, that division is wide open in terms of somebody can step in there and really take control and have an easy path to the playoffs because Detroit's not getting better anytime soon. The Bears are in the same boat. They're they're hoping Justin Fields is the savior and a Joe Burrow type. I don't think he is, but – um, we'll we'll see in the next couple of years, but Vikings is a good shot. But I'm gonna I think I'd lean probably towards the Dolphins first. You get to live down in Miami, which is nice, not up in Minnesota, <laughs> um, or same thing with with Denver, Colorado, kind of. But um, got that down there. I mean, if you can get the best out of Tua, they're a playoff team in that division too. Of course, you got the Patriots, who are probably going to be pretty good until Belichick retires, that you're having to contend with. But um, 
you know, they're also, I think, a sweet spot for, you know, some of these veteran quarterbacks like Rodgers or like Russell Wilson who could be looking to move because they're, I think, a quarterback away from making making a good run. Um, what with the talent they've got down there as well. And plus, I think Miami's just – like the, the location is definitely a big sell there. I think you're right, the Vikings are probably more ready-made in terms of winning, but I think, you know, living down in South Florida would, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. Um, but nobody nobody's saying Saints here. That doesn't necessarily surprise me, but why not, I guess? Uh, they're in salary cap just crap show. They're like $60 million above the line. They're going to have to get rid of more weapons than they can even bring in, so it's a definite project for someone. Any free agent I think would be crazy to want to go there at this point. Well, you know, you know, that's a good point, but also I'm just thinking of this. That division's also wide open with Tom Brady retiring. You know, the Panthers suck, the Falcons suck, and I guess the Bucks are probably going to well, they may not suck, but they won't be as good now that Brady's gone. You know, depending on who they bring in, if Brady's change. gone, <laughs> yeah, if Brady's gone. But real quick, too, if you're the Bucks, though, who's to say that they don't just try to run it back with the same formula and go get a guy like Rogers or or Russell Wilson? Yeah, I Do thought they have about the cap that room for that, Mister Cap I, guy who late all of a sudden knows something about the cap room. Maybe that's what you've been doing all day when it wasn't putting it in the pod notes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they have less cap room than what most people would think, but they also have a lot of the weapons tied down. So depending on how a guy like Rodgers wants to weigh winning a Super Bowl versus salary expectations, there's I guess a chance there. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the Bucks have all the pieces. You know, their defense has got some special guys on it. Obviously, their offense has all the weapons in the world. Uh, although I bet Gronk is going to be calling it a career himself with uh, Brady's news of retiring, but. I don't know if they can bring in a special guy, a quarterback. You know, then they can make another run of the playoffs, like we've seen the last two years. But like, if if it's just like some Jimmy G kind of quarterback, and you know, they'll probably miss the playoffs. And looking at the Saints, like all their best players are so old at this point. Um, like Cam Jordan, yeah. he's still been playing really well, but he's well over thirty. Like, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara, as good as he is, running backs really just don't stick around being that good for all that long. He's kind of been less than what he was a few years ago for a couple years now. Um, you just know that, that Taysom Hill isn't the answer at any <laughs> position. I mean, he's just like, what does what is a guy like him, Where does he's probably looking around a little bit worried because, like, Sean Payton was kind of his guy. Like, I don't think he has the career he's had without a coach like Sean Payton who is willing to kind of use him in a lot of different creative ways. Like, maybe just him and Andy Reid. But, like, if he, was, if he got drafted to the Giants, he'd be out of the league by now because that's just not <laughs> happening. But – uh, you know, and their their wide receiving core was threadbare all season. Plus, Michael Thomas is probably never playing another meaningful down for them. Um, like just after pulling the shit he did this year, with basically never playing. What if he have just had <laughs> surgery in the off season? He'd have been fine. So, yeah, Saints are Saints are down bad, and you know they're down bad because a guy like Sean Payton's not an idiot. Like if he's all of a sudden walking away, it's because he knows they don't have much of a chance next season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nice, uh, nice no follow up other than just yeah, <laughs> Hey, we hit all the analysis right there. Yeah, <laughs> we did. I guess we did. And with that, move to college football because apparently we're done talking about the NFL. There's not a whole lot to talk about here, really, other than just kind of an update on the transfer portal. Um, we we hinted at this, kind of figured it was the case uh, last week, but Jackson Dart officially to Ole Miss. Uh, Lane Kiffin. Le- Lay, this may have infiltrated your Bleacher Report. I guess that's the only way you see tweets since you don't have a Twitter. But uh, did you see? Did you see the the Tiger King thing that Kiffin posted? Yeah, I did. It did infiltrate my Bleacher Report. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. That's so weird that you're just getting secondhand news like that. Just get a Twitter. Lay. Yes, great. please. It's great over there. Don't be sleeping on Bleacher. Like, I hate that I have to Instagram DM you soccer news that I see. Like it's, That's not what the Instagram DMs are for. I don't know what they're for, but they're not for sending that. Uh, <laughs> so you're saying that Twitter is for that? Yeah, Instagram's it is. not. Okay. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> like, I don't need a poorly made graphic to give me the news like on Instagram when Twitter you can just tweet it out. But anyway, so... Transfer King, Lane Kiffin, they get their guy. Uh, so not sure what that means for JT Daniels now because he's definitely not going there. Um, so a lot of other stuff to figure out. But any off firing from the hip reactions to the to the dart transfer? Uh, it just shows that Kiffin's ready to reload on offense. You know, offense has never been a question for him really at any point in his coaching tenure. But he's got a lot more weapons here than he has recent times. He's got a five-star quarterback and a five-star running back now. That's something that's unheard of uh, in Ole Miss. So 
if he could bring the defense together and build on the year that he had this year going 10 and 2, they could be in for something special going forward. Yeah, yeah, that duo of Jackson Dart and Zach Evans is going to be pretty crazy this year. And uh, old Lane Kiffin putting them together as the Tiger King, I mean, the transfer king. He's also got a George Tech defensive end, former four star that's about to sign or commit from the portal there, too. And it's uh, this come. Oh, there's the game changer right there. <laughs> He's actually pretty good. Uh, this coming <laughs> September, it's going to be a bloodbath at historic Bobby Dodd Stadium when the Ole Miss Rebels come to town. And honestly, I'm here for it. I either want George Tech to win nine games or three games or less. That way, we either am happy because the results are good, or three and nine or less will guarantee Collins gets fired. So I'm hoping Ole Miss comes in and beats our ass. <laughs> Grudge match week one. A lot of that, too, like with Georgia and Oregon playing week one, too. Though I'm definitely going to keep my eye on Tech and Ole Miss instead, for sure. <laughs> that one will be but, really bad. <laughs> really uh, bad. I mean, I can't say a whole lot. We're, I made the mistake of watching 10 seconds of a Georgia basketball game. We lost to Vanderbilt this weekend. So, uh, gotta gotta love that. But that's enough college basketball talk. That doesn't really exist. Yeah. Isn't that right, Ferg? Yeah, college basketball sucks. Hey, now. Nobody hey, now. Nobody wants That's it. my lifeline right now. I gotta, I'm holding on to that one tight. Uh, well, I'm not hearing <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. I'm not hearing it. I don't mm. care. No. But is there any, is there any other transfer stuff? I feel like... Uh, I guess Caleb Williams that's kinda, that's hasn't announced. Weird. I'm kind of waiting to see. Like, I would think Georgia should be a good place for like a, a Henry Toto type who like come from Tennessee. You know, like was a was a starter and a good player there, but saw a chance to step right into a Bama team that needed him. Like Georgia's going to need some help on defense, and I don't I don't know if we're kind of making moves in the portal, but. Um, doesn't really well, look like it at this point. Well, he can't do that because he knows he'd have to wait till twenty sixty two to get another ring. Exactly. So I don't think Leif, that's that is that is a weak <laughs> attempt, Leif. I'm sorry. You nope. you got to know. Say it with your chest, Leif. Nope. <laughs> hey, Leif. you heard me. <laughs> okay, like if that makes you, if that helps you. Say you know. If that's Anything all helps say, me at this point. Something's got to get me to sleep at night, and it sure as heck isn't Auburn's coaching staff changes or anything that's going on there. Jeez. Well, you brought um, it up. So what's going on down on the Plains? Brian Harson just shitting himself one, one and a half seasons into this thing, or what's going on? Man, I've, I've had his back the whole time. There's been so much Is negativity. it even his fault, this thing? If, for those that don't I, know, ex- explain the situation here, Leigh. So we just so we fired our offensive coordinator Mike Bobo after one year. Never liked the hire. Now. <laughs> He's at Georgia as an analyst or something. I don't know. So then we come in. Everybody's like, "Who are we going to hire? Who are we going to hire?" We hire a guy who's been coaching three years of pro football with the Seahawks as a QB coach. His name is Austin Davis, thirty years old. It's a little bit sketch, but I'm like, ah, all right, young dude, coach NFL. He can relate to these kids. Well, not six weeks after us finally hiring him as an OC. Uh, he decides to step down in two days before National Signing Day. And this also comes off the back of our defensive coordinator leaving to take an Oklahoma State job where there's no way he's making as much money as he made at Auburn. So with, if we hire another offense coordinator, we've already hired a defense coordinator, we'll have had five different coordinators in one year. Five in one year. I've been trying to be optimistic, but – when you look at that, at what point do you see Harson as the common denominator and thinking guys just don't want to work with this program or with this guy? So I don't, I'm trying to stay positive, but there's a whole lot of negative stuff going on. You're not around. doing a whole, very good job of it. I'm saying. <laughs> nah. Well, I'm falling apart right here. I've, I've kept it up for the pod, but man, it's just it's brutal right now. I got to have some good news on National Signing Day. Uh, I'm afraid you're not going to be getting that. So why don't you uh, just stick to basketball, yeah? <laughs> hey, if you'll. If... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's probably my best bet. Yeah, I mean, your, your Auburn football team can't catch a break these days. You got the old northern boy coming and coaching these young southern kids. They can't relate to him. <laughs> <laughs> as Kobe Hudson would say on yeah, Instagram. Our, one of our receivers transferred, and like he posted a comment on his Instagram and said, uh, I'm from the south. I understand him. He from the north. He don't understand me. Yeah. So maybe that sums it up yeah, entirely. So, I don't so know. So you got your football players <laughs> calling your head coach essentially racist on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, Instagram. Yeah, bad luck. Uh, yes. Sorry, it's almost March Madness, Lay. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you can enjoy that. You and uh, no one, me and Nathan won't be watching. I promise you that. 
Mm, well, I'll be rooting. I'll be the biggest fan of that 15 seed that Auburn plays. That's, that's what we're going for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, same year. All right, that's but, fair. Yeah, so Harson, the Harson era, if you will, not off to a brilliant start. And I brought this up. You know, maybe I did it offline. You know, off off air, if you will. But like, what's what's Harson's leash this season? Because like they had a losing year, and just crashed and burned at the end of the season. Like the, he didn't do the the five hundred slash losing season that kind of keeps Tennessee coaches around. Like start really bad and then win your last six going in, and people kind of feel good going into the next year. Like you could kind of keep a keep a job for a couple years doing that. But if you do the opposite, like Lath, <laughs> set the over under at at number of wins. That if Harson goes underneath that, this seat is seriously hot. I think in a normal year, you got to give him three years, and most schools would. But his salary, I think, is fairly low compared to most people in the SEC. And with the added factor of transferring, anybody can start. It doesn't take that long to build a roster. I would say if we don't improve by two games next year after this next season, then he's probably gone because at this point – I mean, there's enough room to make roster change and implement a culture with the new rules that we're seeing. So if he can't, if he can't get up to uh, an eight and four season, I think seven and five maybe, then I think he's probably gone. And it's gonna be tough to win eight games, Lay. I don't know, but let's see. Let's let's look at the Auburn schedule well, right here. We, oh, we're doing a deep dive now. Oh, well, <laughs> well, we know their non-conference is basically shit. So. Well, you got to now when the conference is as tough as it is. Oh, I said no, 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 no. Oh, that also reminds me of something that we're going to end the pod with. But in the meantime, let me keep <laughs> keep filibustering while I look for this guy. I guess I guess Penn State. Okay, never mind, but, never mind. But, I found it. Yeah, Penn State it. is solid. So yeah, Mercer Week One. That's probably a loss. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll give you that one. Why you play you? Am I just tripping? You play. You open the season with one, two, three, four, five home games. So you're gonna have this inflated sense of self after that, and then you're gonna go <laughs> to, down to Athens get your ass whooped. But um, mm. let's see. So you got Mercer Week One. That's a win. San Jose State Week Two. That's probably a win. Home against Penn State. I'll give you the edge there, probably. Because um, I think honestly, if that game was played at home <laughs> this past season, you probably win. Um, then Missouri at home. They suck. So off to a good start. You'd be four and zero, pretty, uh, pretty good start. But just just teetering and just waiting for the for the crash and burn part. Then you get LSU coming to Jordan. That's I think a definite toss up for the sake of Loss. this uh, social experiment. Loss. We'll give them an L. Um, then you got at Georgia. Loss. That's a loss. loss. Then at Ole Miss, loss. I think that's a loss. So you go from four and zero to four and three. Then you get Arkansas Loss. at home. Loss. That's straight up toss loss. up. We'll leave that as a 50 50. Um, if they only need one more loss, okay, Ferg, give me just give me a second here. I, I hear you and I appreciate it, but we're uh, <laughs> having way too much fun here. <laughs> we gotta we gotta go through this. Um, so Arkansas will hold off for now. If if it makes the difference in a 500 season at the end, I'll make it a loss. But uh, Mississippi State probably a win. We'll give them a win. We'll give them um, a win there. So what is that now? That's one, two, three, five and four, four, and three, five, and four. Yeah. Um, if you count Arkansas, it's five and three. Otherwise, <laughs> five and four. Um, versus A and M, that's loss. a loss. Uh, so now looking at five and four, then Western Kentucky win six and four at Bama, loss. definitely a loss. <laughs> so you're looking at seven and four, six and five. Okay, so if he goes six and five, lay like, beats. Beats uh, basically everybody that he's expected to, but loses to everybody he probably should lose to, and maybe like toss up game. Like if they lose to Arkansas, they'll go six and five. Is that enough to get him out? Six and five, uh, it would be close. Um, I, it would definitely be teetering. I think if we were to go and then lose the bowl game after that, then there'd really be concerned. There'd be two losses in a row. That's also the- a six and five with that would just be one. Two conference wins. Yeah, I guess Missouri. Yeah, okay. Missouri is one of them too. By the way, see, I'm inclined. This is where I'm struggling. I'm inclined to believe that there's going to be one of those games that we shouldn't win that we're going to win, but then we'll immediately follow it up with a loss to like Western Kentucky or something, <laughs> so it'll even out regardless. So I don't know if he has that kind of season, six and five. I could see him being gone. Yeah, he's going to do the All same right, thing. Then, 
it's win four in a row to start yeah, the year maybe. and then lose like six of his last eight games. I mean, you probably they probably will win the first four. It's just what they do after that. But all right, before we get out of here, just y'all's bickering kind of invigorated this memory in me. I've forgotten about it. So you guys had a had a spirited debate about the overtime rules in the last pod that carried well into the week uh, in the text <laughs> chat. Um, with maybe perhaps one party a bit more passionate about the subject than the other. <clears throat> but uh, definitely wasn't <clears throat> me, that's for sure. Um, but with that said, the roles, not reversed exactly, but we saw you know, the Chiefs win the toss, and uh-oh, here we go again. But it actually worked out in the Bengals' favor. Like, If you do think about it, the team that doesn't get the ball first, like yes, the huge disadvantage of the potential to not touch the ball and lose – but if you do get a stop, all of a sudden you're in the position where a 45, 48, 55-yard field goal wins you the game. So just curious if anybody has – if there's been any coming together, any, uh, any you know, mutual agreement reached, no. or, or, or do we have different thoughts? Anybody opinions changed on the overtime rules since we last talked about it? No, mine hasn't changed. Me and Ferg are never going to see eye to eye on this. And my biggest sticking point, I think, if I had to say one thing about why I think it should change – is if you have an opportunity to remove an aspect of luck from the game, why wouldn't you? I just I don't understand why why you wouldn't take advantage of that opportunity if you're trying to find the best team. Look, look, the defense has an eighty percent chance of stopping the offense from scoring a touchdown These on any given. Statistics, statistics don't fact they're facts. No. They don't care about yeah. your feelings. Okay, you know, okay, 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 okay. I know I opened the I know I opened the box here, and now I'm trying to yeah. put, put the genie back in it. But <laughs> the last point. Maybe you can't agree on whether it should or shouldn't be changed, but will it be changed? Because I'm under the impression that had the Chiefs done it again, the exact same thing again, I think we're probably looking at a rule change in the offseason. But since it yeah. didn't happen, what what are we feeling as to if slash when anything is done about this rule? I think that it's going to change. I just think it's going to be a point of discussion. I think you're right. If the Chiefs had won again, it probably would have been changed sooner rather than later. But I think if you sit back and go look at it, they're going to decide that they're going to change these rules. I just think that's what's going to happen, my gut feeling. I think they probably will too, but I, I don't think <laughs> – Well, just because they changed the rules doesn't mean I'm wrong. Let's just be clear. Yes, it does. He can disagree with the rule change. Yeah. And still get I think, I, okay. I think right. it's going to get but, changed, but I don't think it should. I, I think it's fair, and I think the statistics back it up. It's really simple. Simple numbers. Well – if if they do change the rules, then I am going to celebrate in your face and enjoy it. You still lost. Your team lost. What? The Bills lost. So like celebrating, oh, you're yeah. still gonna take an L whether they change the rules or not. And it's funny because probably the next time around, say they change the rules, the Bills will get that opening drive TD, then Mahomes will drive down and score a touchdown and kick a t- or get a two point conversion and win or some shit. So, look, look, you're the man that owns the Mahomes jersey. I don't see any Bills merchandise in my closet, so you can't be throwing that on like, me now. You, you don't <laughs> choke on that Buffalo Bill dick every night. <laughs> Come on, now. And with that, we oh, grind so, to a halt on another episode. Sorry, Mitch. Once it just descends into, into <laughs> calling each other cocksuckers, you gotta, you gotta get out of here. Sorry, Mitch. All right. Thanks, uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, yeah, we'll be back with, I guess, just a full-on Super Bowl prep pod here in a week. So, uh, till then.